What's up, everybody? This is episode 69 of the Walking Closer podcast. I want to start off this episode, uh, I guess kind of like a continuation of the last. You know, I started the last episode by asking, if, you know, if, if I asked you what your relationship with God looks like, what would you say? And then, you know, I proceeded to talk about maybe some of those typical responses would be. Um, maybe you might then start talking about all the things you do. You know, like the times you go to church and how you tithe and give and all the work you do, the ministries you're involved in, how you volunteer, how you teach studies maybe you start talking to me about maybe you might talk about you know the time you spend uh reading reading your bible um whatever else it is that you might be doing and you know the problem that i see with that is that all these things that we do they're not necessarily the relationship they can be indicators they can be expressions their avenues their ways of you know, it leads to maybe better understanding or a bit better perspectives or different perspectives, not necessarily better. Uh, but as I see it, the problem is, is that these things that we do oftentimes take the place of the relationship. And I think this is exactly what's, what happens. I think it happens a lot. And I, I know it's what happened in, in Scripture. In fact, we have an example of this in the book of Revelation. Um which is a book that, quite honestly, I don't go to very often. It's highly symbolic, and there's lots. It's fun to study. It's fun to go through. But, you know, there's some, with all its complications and its symbolism, there are some pretty clear things in there. And one of those is this very, you have an example of the very thing that I'm talking about. When the things that we do replace the relationship, replace why we started doing it in the first place, right? You, 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 you're drawn in by love and allegiance and commitment and dedication or just natural expressions and responses. And then all of a sudden, the thing that drew you in takes a back seat and the things that you're doing that you think are things that you should be doing. You become dedicated to those. There's like an, an, an allegiance even to those things and those things being successful. And we're, we stop being driven by, the, well, the whole reason why we got into this in the first place. And instead of creating a relationship, building a relationship, we build an allegiance to well, all the things that we're doing, right? And we get so focused on all these these good works, these things that we're doing. And I'm not saying that these, I'm not saying good works are bad. I mean, how could good works be bad um, within themselves? But what I'm saying is our approach to all of this, yeah, it can actually take the place of our relationship with God. And I think this is exactly what happens to Christians in Ephesus. It's a good example of this in Revelation 2. In the first couple of verses, uh, John writes saying that Jesus says, "I, I see what you have done. Right? Look, I am acknowledging all the efforts that you've put out there. I'm acknowledging what you have done. Your works is what he uses. And he uses another word. He says, your toil. In other words, I, I acknowledge. I have seen. I see what you've done. I see the pain and the strength-zapping effort 
you know, when I see all the things that you go through and then, you know, things that could really exhaust you and, and uh, cause you to want to stop. But I don't see that. I see endurance, he says. Like, you, you stuck around. You know, when it, when it got tough, you didn't, you didn't leave. You didn't give up. And he says they, that they were, they were not willing to put up with evil men. And he specifically mentions um, some who were claiming to be apostles but, but were not. And so they, they saw right through that. They were able to discern what was going on and see through the false claims. Um, and they handled it. And then, <clears throat> it didn't stop. And whatever else was going on with them, they seemed to be putting up with a lot and they weren't willing to give up, and it's like they 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 were willing to take on more, <laughs> like bring it on. I'll stare this down in the face, and I'm not going to give up. And they were doing so much good, um, but even in light of all of that, in this case, it seems that for all the work that they were doing, they actually lost something. And he say he says this. He says. I see all the stuff you're doing. I see it. Like, I acknowledge it. And it's good stuff, right? But I got this against you. You've left or you have walked away from your first love. And all, all this stuff they were doing, it's like, it's like they lost themselves in it. They, they got so wrapped up in whatever it is that they were doing and enduring that those things replaced the relationship they had with God, the whole reason why they started this in the first place. And I wonder, I wonder if they started to become cold and calloused and, and what they were doing was really not out of love. And you know, Paul says, you can do all this stuff, but you don't have love, it doesn't matter. They may have even, you know, out of all these things they were doing, right? Think about this. They they remained orthodox, right? They had the ability to discern uh, uh, false claims and see through that and deal with that properly. And and they were so committed to the cause that they, they could tackle anything, but they lost something. They lost why they were there in the first place. They lost the love that drew them in and the love that they were to become. It's like... All this stuff replaced their relationship with God. And the harder they worked for God, <laughs> the further they, they, were, they withdrew from God. And I think this is a good example of this very thing I'm talking about and how we can get so caught up in all this doing stuff thing that we miss why... We're doing this in the first place. Why we're here? What brought us to the table? Like what? How we got to the party? Why we're even at the party? Right? Like losing, replacing the relationship that we are to have with God with all this other stuff. And I think there's good intentions. And again, I'm not saying that these things are necessarily inherently wrong, but they can replace our relationship with God and. That makes them not not good. That's not that's not good at all. Um, and I think this happens all the time. I think it happens a lot. I think that I, I know that I have witnessed this. I've seen this in people. I've seen it in myself. I'm a part of 
this culture, right? We have such a work, a work-driven culture mentality, and it flows right into the local church. We're always trying to prove ourselves. It's like we have to be successful, and we take all of this, this approaches to either, I don't know, whatever, everyday life, our jobs, our careers, uh, you know, whatever, sports, whatever it is that we're, we're doing, um, which it just it crosses uh, so many aspects of, of uh, what we do is that we have the same approach to just about everything. And, you know, we, we think about having a successful marriage and a successful relationship. And I think sometimes our approach is completely wrong. And we start thinking about all the things that we need to do. And we fail to remember that, well, a relationship is about building a relationship. And it's about personal intimacy and getting to know and talking and communicating and spending time and all these other things. And, you know, you can do all sorts of things to work for your relationship and work on your relationship without actually <laughs> having an effect on your relationship, at least not one that is positive. But I think we have this, this approach and we see the same approach in the church. And why would we, not, why would we think it would be any, any different, right? I mean, it's, it's the way we are. It's the way we've been molded and shaped and the church has given into this. And as a result, it's just continuous, continuing this process of molding and shaping and it's affirming, you know, hey, yeah, this approach to life is good here. It's good there. It's good here. It's good anywhere. And what we don't realize is that we are part of the problem in so many ways. We have such a work-driven culture mentality, and it flows right into the local churches. You can see it. You can see it in how we operate, right, or quote-unquote run the church. You can see how we're set up. If you pay special attention to the language that's used to recruit volunteers or people to become participate in a program or a ministry or just to be a part of it, right, uh, the language is used oftentimes to convince people to volunteer participate is actually may sound like a guilt trip where we, we try and manipulate people into doing these things. And I wonder I wonder how many people do what they do in their in their church because they feel obligated or or even guilty if they don't do it. My question is what does that where does that come from? Right? What is what does that come from? It doesn't come from a natural outpouring of a relationship with God that's being driven by love. And that love, it, you know, carries with it uh, a sense of fulfillment and, and acknowledgement of, of gifts and abilities and talents and a desire to help others and to love others and to utilize what I have right, and benefit for other people, um, not just for the sake of doing it, but because it's out of love, right, uh, where it's not an obligation necessarily, and I use that term loosely, because uh, again, you could poke holes to, you know, probably a better word to use. Um, it's not a manufactured commitment, right, it's a natural flow, outpouring of who we are in that relationship, um, and that does not bring about this sense of obligation or guilt. We're not driven by those things, right? Would it would it not be better if the service that people offered was nothing more than an expression of, of their love? A love driven by a relationship with God? 
I wonder how much more people, I wonder how much more people would genuinely enjoy serving or volunteering if we didn't guilt trip or manipulate people into doing things and instead we helped them have a relationship with God and allowed that relationship to be the driving force, the motivation for what they do. What if, what if churches began to focus more on relationship instead of manipulation? Then we can really right, begin to focus on fostering the relationship and the things we do or the quote-unquote work for God would not replace that relationship but could be expressions of that relationship. And my fear is that with all of this, we're trying more to manufacture that relationship. And it just simply can't be done, right? There's no substitute for the real thing. Have you ever sat there and wondered, what are you missing that everybody else around you is getting? Right? What, why are some people so seemingly dedicated to this cause or this thing? Or, you know, they display their affection and love for God in this way or whatever it is. Whatever... Whatever activity you're participating in with you know, fellow believers, in either during worship or whatever else it is, you ever sat there wondering, what am I missing? Is there, is there something I'm not getting out of this? Yeah, the thing that's missing might just be the relationship, right? Yeah. Relationship instead of manipulation or manufacturing. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't manufacture that relationship. It it has to be something that is built over time and happens naturally. But I wonder how many of us are settling for something less than the real thing. I wonder how many people are frustrated and feel burnt out on it all. Just tired of it. They're not experiencing the life that they desire with God and... And no matter how much they do, and in fact, the more they do, the further they end up feeling from God. Is that you? I wonder how many people show up to a Sunday service or volunteer in some ministry and they actually dread showing up and participating. I wonder how many people come to the parking lot and they begin to think, I just can't wait till this is over. I wonder... I wonder how many people just feel like all this stuff has created a routine that has just sucked the life out of them. This this stuff, this stuff that's supposed to fill you up or be life-giving. You're told, right? These are the things you're supposed to be doing and you should be doing. And, and all this stuff which we think is supposed to fill us up or be life-giving is actually doing the opposite. And, and you know what? I gotta say this, as as church leaders, if you're a church leader, think about this. The way we approach the church, we actually might be contributing and may actually be the say leading contributors in, in all of this, right? Um and I, I understand the process. I've seen it. People come in, they have certain demands and expectations that they put on the church, certain things they expect the church to be doing, not giving any thought as to how those things come about and what should be there in order for those things to be taking place. And the fact that if there is something you think should be happening and it's not happening, it's an indicator of something, right? 
Uh, maybe the people aren't there yet. Maybe someone in their relationship with God, they're, they're not in that place where they're being driven or called or drawn to, to do this thing um, because it won't be out of love. And would you not rather, I mean, seriously, <laughs> would you rather a church to manufacture and pretend that all the things they do, all the services they offer, the ministries they're doing, is, you want to pretend it's out of love? Or would you rather them actually be out of genuine love for God and for, for one another? You know that experience would be quite a bit different. Which one would you choose? But people come in with expectations and demands, right? And those can be heavy for church leaders, and they give in to those things. We People demand certain ministries, and, and so those things are created, manufactured. And we, we begin to do those things when, in all actuality— the only thing we should be doing is helping people in their relationships with God and allowing those ministries or whatever those expectations are, those demands, to organically happen as a result. Yeah, but that means your church won't be successful, right? Well, who came up with that standard in the first place? We did. Based on what model, right? Do we just continue a business model when it comes to how we measure success? Yeah. The reality is, as church leaders, we need to stop giving into these expectations or demands. And because this this is not about self-preservation. It's about a relationship. And anything less, well, that's that's leaving our first love. We could be doing all this stuff, and you can look like you have, according to this world, today's standards as to what a successful church is. You could have all those things there, all the, the, you know, the dots, the I's dotted and the T's crossed, and you can have all the checklists, you can have all the things that we think represent that success. But in reality, church could be dead. Um, could leave its first love, right? Not being done out of love. And it's not done out of a relationship with God. It's contrived and manufactured and people are guilted and feel shamed because they don't do certain things or whatever. And manipulation tactics are, are used and yeah, it's just it's not real. And so yeah, it happens on both sides. It's where people and we got to remember to keep the main thing the main thing, and that main thing is our relationship with God. And, and I know we have a hard time putting up with things not being done or certain, not seeing certain things happen and occur, and, and we get so caught up in that. It's almost like we're not willing to wait. We're not willing to be patient and help people grow and grow ourselves in a relationship with God. Instead, we'd rather have certain things happen. We like to see certain things being done. And and those things could be good. They could be helpful even. I get it. I understand that. But let's not walk away from our first love. Let's not forget why. Why we're in this, right? And let's start allowing these things to be expressions of that relationship that we have with God and the love we have for other people. And so, so let me ask, let me ask you, what does your relationship with God look like? I'm not asking you how often you study your Bible or how long your devotional time is. I'm not asking how many podcasts you listen to, although I'm grateful if you listen to this one. 
Um, I'm not asking you how often you attend a church service. I'm not asking you what ministries you serve in or how often you volunteer. I'm not, I'm not asking you all about your good works. I'm not, I'm asking about something more. I'm asking you about your relationship with God. And for those who don't attend a, a local church gathering organization, I ask the same question. What does your relationship with God look like? Right? If you, what, what does that look like? What does your relationship with God look like? It's, it's something worthy of giving some time to think through. And it's something that I want to continue to talk about. Uh, especially into the next episode or maybe the next couple episodes. So ask yourself the question, what does your relationship with God look like? And give yourself some time to think through that. And join me next time as we continue to explore Becoming Like Jesus from the Inside Out.